Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. The Reds secured another impressive win over Brighton at the weekend. Uh, two two great goals and one really impressive performance and uh, header, putting his head in harm's way from, from Luis Diaz to help the Reds get over the line. And On this week's pod, we'll be looking ahead to what's sure to be a competitive game against an in-form Arsenal side as the Reds head back to the Emirates, fresh from, of course, their last League Cup heroics there last time round. So joining me on the pod to give his, us his insight on Arsenal, how their season has gone, uh, and of course, you know, trusting the process under Mikel Arteta, delighted to welcome on uh, Faisal Khan to the podcast. Uh, you may know him obviously from running the popular YouTube channel Latte Firm, or on Twitter as Faisal or FK Carnage. Um, delighted to have him on to, to share his insight into how Arsenal season's gone so far, and just really where the Gunners can go next. Welcome, Faisal. Hi, Harry. How are you? Yeah. Oh, good to speak with you. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, sort of. Both our Premier League journeys at the moment looking fairly fairly rosy, um, and there's been some interesting twists and turns um, along the way for both of us. I, I think certainly in sort of the narratives around the seasons. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's. I almost want to ask you because I've not spoken to you about uh, sort of Arsenal beforehand, and it's always an interesting chat whenever I do get an Arsenal fan or journalist covering the club on at the start of the season before a ball was kicked. Sort of, what were your expectations for how this season was going to unfold, or what were you expecting to see from Arteta in terms of how he was trying to evolve this side? Uh, well, thanks for having me on. I mean, first of all, obviously, if we think about the last two seasons, Arsenal have had eighth back-to-back finishes in the league, uh, which is not good enough for where we want to be. Yeah, we didn't have European football this season. That was a massive disappointment. And last year, of course, we crashed out in the Europa League to to our former manager Unai Emery and Villarreal as they as they went on to win it. Um, so coming into this particular campaign, it was always about improvement. It was always about climbing the table and trying to get back into European football, whether that be Europa League or Champions League. But of course, you know, like you said at the start of the feature, uh, the future or the table is looking rosy. It's looking rosier for Arsenal fans. And of course, we're sort of sat in fourth and we want to maintain that. So this season, the objective has changed 26, 27 games in. We want to get into that top four and we've got a good chance. No, absolutely. As we're saying, sort of really good example of teams that are making use of their games in hand, and those who didn't seem to well, didn't seem to read the writing that was on the wall. To be honest, and certainly that can be said about your your North London rivals for sure. And in, in, in terms of 
the the development under Arteta, uh, I, I've often had conflicting bits of feedback. Generally, people positive and on on board in terms of supportive of him. Uh, I think on the whole, in terms of Arsenal fans I've spoken to, I've got quite a few in my family as well, so it's always a pretty lively discussion around it around the club. But in terms of what you were really hoping to see from him this season, uh, what's been missing from sort of this Arteta Arsenal side so far, or prior to the season anyway, in terms of things you thought maybe the team was lacking balance or sort of tactical coherence? What was it that you were sort of looking to to see from from a, a Mikel Arteta side, or, or, or did you not necessarily know what a, a Mikel Arteta side at its best looked like? Well, actually, just to finish your last point, I don't think we know what Mikel Arteta's best side looks like even now, even though right. we're on this upward trajectory. But but let's go back a you know a season or so. I mean, you have to remember Arsenal under Unai Emery and towards the end of Arsene Wenger's days were a bit of a mess. Unai Emery came in, exaggerated that mess by making poor signings. And of course, the football wasn't great. Mikel Arteta's come into a culture that seems, or looking back, seemed a bit poisonous, a bit toxic. You know, certain personalities doing what they wanted to do and breaking that culture. He talked about culture when he first joined the club and building an environment that was professional, that was almost, you know, relentless, no consequences. If you if you were to break the rules, and of course, you, you're going to find your way out the door, as we've seen with our club captain. So... A lot of off-the-field stuff was happening. That wasn't what Mikel Arteta needed to sort of build. Um, getting rid of some of the deadwood in the squad and, and rebuilding with a different type of profile of player. You know, this season, this summer, we saw youngsters come in, largely inexperienced, but with a point to prove and with careers to build. So if you look at the back, Aaron Ramsdale as a goalkeeper, loads of people wrote him off when he joined the club and he's been a revelation. Uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu coming in at right back from Bologna, relatively unknown, last sort of minute, Deadline day signing all seemed like a panic, but it was, it was absolutely perfectly executed by Arsenal Football Club. Ben White, you know, as a surprise, cost a lot of money, but it came from Brighton. I mean, certainly, if you know, if you go back a year and someone said to me, You're going to get a centre back from Brighton, I probably would have been thinking about Dunk and not really Ben White. So he's really come in and he's been fabulous. Um, and you know, so on and so forth. So you look at the, the profile of player, and he's and you know, at the time, all the Arsenal fans were like, Well, you know, why are we buying all these youngsters? You know, they're not going to take us to the level that we want to be, which is obviously competing for Premier League titles and going for European football. But I think Arteta was clue, you know, he stuck to his cards, and his cards were that he wanted to have a rebuild and he wanted a certain type of environment, a certain type of player, and he's got a great group of players now, now that we've gotten rid of the likes of Aubameyang and Genduzi and players that just weren't making the squad, we've got a group of players who are very well connected. The camaraderie is high. The bond between the fans is fantastic. They leave everything on the pitch, which is more than you can ask for as a football fan. Um, every time I go to the Emirates on a season ticket holder, I go home and away. Uh, been to Hanfield many times, <laughs> not on the winning end, sadly. <laughs> but every time we go away to these sort of grounds, you know, Arsenal are leaving everything on that pitch. The moment they cross the white line, they are giving all for the shirt. And, and that's what you want. And they're a very likable bunch of boys. So in terms of the profile of the squad, much, much better. In terms of what we're doing off the pitch, in terms of building an environment and a culture, absolutely awesome. And just to, to finalise on, on the sort of football front, last year the style of our play was very sort of horseshoe U-shaped. You know, everything went down our left side through Kieran Tierney. And when he got tired, everything went down our right side. There was no central penetration. And what we've done this year is tried to really build on Thomas Partey's uh, ability as a, as a central midfield enforcer. He's now playing the base of a three in midfield. Jack is playing slightly advanced as a number eight. And Erdegaard, of course, playing advanced as a, as a right-sided eight. 
And then, of course, you've got the youngsters coming through, Emil Smith-Rowe, Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli as our wide men, as our outlets, as our creators, all behind a very aged and knackered uh, Alex Lacazette. And I think, <laughs> to, to, to finish the last point on your question, Harry, in terms of the best of what we're going to see, you know, Arsenal are craving a top, top number nine. You know, your, your you know, sort of proven talisman up front. You know, if, if someone could give me a, a Van Persie from his last season at Arsenal and, and that first season at Old Trafford, that is the perfect mould of player that we're looking for. And that's going to take us to the next level. I mean, Alex Lacazette, bless him, he's, he's trying his best. You know, it's no through through no fault of his own that he finds himself the, the, the number one striker at Arsenal Football Club. He's not the prolific goal scorer that we wanted. Um, but in the last nine, ten games, you know, he's a leader of, of, of young boys and he's leading by example and he's, he's giving his giving all he can. So the, the big test now, Harry, for Arsenal in the summer is going to be who do we sign as a centre forward? It'd be great to have another sort of pacey outlet as a, as a wide man, a bit like what Liverpool are doing. You know, they've, they've, they've reinforced really well in terms of forward options. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited. I mean, it's a great place to be Arsenal now. It's amazing how football changes. Uh, we know that it can change quickly, but the journey that Mikel Arteta has been on and the team have been on this season has been really, really encouraging. Yeah, and I think it's, it's whenever looking at Arsenal, I think even sort of rival fans couldn't put it past you that there were sort of a really talented crop of tenacious sort of young footballers there. Bakaya Saka, like you mentioned, Enel Smith-Rowe, uh, Martinelli as well, sort of withstanding some of the injuries that he's had to deal with as well. The, the talent's never really been in question from them. And um, obviously with Smith-Rowe and Saka, that camaraderie, a lot's been made of that based on sort of their relationship as they've developed together. And uh, I think you can you can very much see that amongst the side right now. And, and you're right to point that out. That's not always been the case. There's been you know, moments of real uh, sort of acrimonious or tension. I mean, the fact that Jacko is still playing for the club uh, and successfully and, and has seems, looks like he's got a semi-decent relationship with the with the fan base as well is 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 a true testament to sort of the way in which he's he's been sort of rehabilitated by the manager, I suppose. But in in terms of the start of the season as well, I remember that there were people, you know, all too ready to look at those results, you know, the opening loss against Brentford, the loss against uh, uh, mm. Chelsea, and then sort of very emphatic loss against uh, Manchester City, which can happen to anyone, let's face it. Um, plenty of people were already sort of they'd half written the season, you know, the season reviews, if you will, that it was going to be another wasted campaign. Uh, you know, that, that Arteta perhaps was a bit enough more than he can chew. You know, when are Arsenal going to learn? For example, there was some Jacker obituaries written then as well. Um, I, I suppose one of my questions would be uh, first of all, at that point after those first three games, which must have been tough to swallow, how were you feeling? Were there still sort of um, it, sounded, it seemed as though the majority stuck with the manager and his and his plan and, and his processes. I mean, plenty like to sort of joke about these days until they trust the process and things like that. But um, certainly paying dividends now. How are you feeling after that period? Was the was the confidence shaken too much? And then the other question I wanted to ask you is: If you're looking at the season, um, it, it's not really been a season of two hearts. I think you've actually been more consistent than people would probably um, sort of give you credit for, but. Is there a game that you'd look at and go, well, that's symptomatic of when things weren't quite working or weren't quite clicking for us in the Premier League? You can look at that. And then there's a game that really is symptomatic of, oh, this is, you know, this, everything is clicking here. The team is a unit. Things are functioning as you imagine Arteta would like. 
There's a lot of stuff there, Harry. So let me go <laughs> one by one. No, no, it's fine. I mean, first of all, you talk about um, just before you got into your two questions, you got, you talked about Arteta and his coaching and the youngsters coming through. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We've got we've got a really great academy at Arsenal Football Club, and we have over the years, of course, as you know, and, and everybody knows listening, we've we've produced some amazing youngsters. But having talent is one thing, and applying it in a good functional structure is another thing. And Arteta deserves a lot of credit for that. And then your second point about Granit Xhaka. Yeah, I mean, this this guy is, is a cat. He has nine lives. He's he's you know <laughs> seeing through all the Arsenal managers. But you you won't find many uh, Arsenal fans more pro Xhaka than I am. Uh, I love the guy. I, I right, think okay. he has a very important role uh, in the squad and in the team. We play our best football when he's in the team. Uh, and you know, for me, he's got a he's got a role to play in the club going forward. But yeah, I think, I, think, I, think, I think we'll definitely come on to talk about sort of the way in which his roles change as well. I think when we come on to talk sure. about Partey, but um, yeah, sorry, I interrupted you there. You're you talking about the no, no, the no games. problem at all. So, so yeah, so the the, the first question was um, how was I feeling? So look, three games on the board, three defeats, right? Um, yeah. we were bottom of the table, Spurs were top. Arteta had the shorter starts for the first managerial casualty of the season, Did he? and of course, you know, the joke was the, the joke was Arsenal. So. At the time, it was a feeling of devastation. You know, I've, I've got a YouTube channel called Latte Firm and I do my sort of post-match uh, insights. And I remember going to the to the Etihad and I was very sort of, you know, pensive, you know, despondent, like just just so sad. Um, and I couldn't see how Arteta was going to turn it around because it was a big defeat. And of course, Granit Xhaka, the media favourite and, and non-Arsenal fans' favourite, getting sent off, favourite for, for criticism, that is. Um, it wasn't looking pretty, but then of course came a couple of scruffy wins in Norwich, Burnley, and then it was it was very much uh, uh, the road to recovery. And you know, your second question about are there performances in the season that kind of uh, summarise how we are? You know, at our worst, we went was there a turning point as well, Faisal? Sorry again to jump in, but was there a turning? Yeah, I, for, for for me, I think the, yeah, I think the, I think the turning point for us was the North London derby when we we, oh, yeah. we played Spurs, we elevated our game and, and we beat them comfortably at home and Aubameyang that day was a man possessed I mean the guy we talk about his off the field stuff but on the pitch you know he led us to a 3-1 victory we'd absolutely wipe the floor with him and of course Spurs at that point they were you know, sort of top of the league in that top two so that was probably the the belief moment then of course we went away to uh sorry we'd been away to Burnley and and beat Norwich just before that and of course October came around went away to Leicester City, a nice sort of 2-0 win there, beating Villa at home. I mean, there's been a number of, uh, of performances that have kind of led us to where we are. But there are still signs every now and again of creakiness in this Arsenal team. And there was a performance that we gave at Goodison Park where we got beat by Everton. I think I think every club is beating Everton this year with a one, with a one win that they've got in a sequence of about 20 games, which is embarrassing. But um, that was probably the, the, the lowest point because it's, you know, three points really sort of dropped and the manner of the performance was, was pretty shocking. But the best end, so the other end of the spectrum, funnily enough, in a defeat to Manchester City at home, the first 45 minutes, I don't know if you, if you saw it as a, as a neutral, as a non-Arsenal fan, the first 45 minutes was the blueprint, Harry. You know, that was what, that was when Arsenal fans realised that we went toe-to-toe with the best team, best squad, best manager in the, in the league, in Europe, in, in my opinion. And we gave as good as we got. And albeit, you know, we lost on the day to a questionable sort of penalty uh, in the second half, but we were outstanding, Harry. And actually, when fans came away from that ground, we were all thinking, gosh, if that's what Mikel Arteta is trying to build with the, the limited manpower that he's got, if that's the blueprint, then there's a lot to look forward to. So that yeah. gave the team a lot of belief. And actually, you know, funnily enough, since that game, we've been on a bit of a run. I think we're the most informed team in Europe now over the last 10 game, 10 league games. 
five league games on the, on, on the bounce. So things are absolutely rosier and every game that goes by, every week that goes by, you know, Arteta's implementing his ideas. The, the team are becoming more familiar in terms of relationships, combinations. They're anticipating teammate moves. The youngsters are getting more confidence. You've you got to remember, Emil Smith-Rowe has only been playing first-team football for just over a year. Bukayo Saka, maybe a couple of years. But of course, you know, these guys, they haven't made hundreds of appearances for, for this club and, and they're carrying this mighty club on their shoulders. You know, we're a... I hate to use the expression, but we are a sleeping giant. You know, we're one of England's biggest football clubs in terms of honours and, and history and tradition. And so for these youngsters to have the weight of Arsenal Football Club on their shoulders is is immense pressure, immense responsibility, but they've done absolutely superb. So hopefully that answers your question. And there's a lot of positive things to come, I'm sure. No, yeah, plenty of detail in there. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was mentioning uh, the number of Arsenal fans that are in my family and uh, uh, the WhatsApp groups are already always pretty lively. Certainly, when, when there's a Liverpool fixture that comes around, so I'm sure it'll be the same uh, in, in the lead up to this one. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, some of the noises coming out of that group, which is always a good sort of uh, barometer for how Arsenal are doing after that City game. You're right to mention it, and I did catch sort of large chunks of it and thought it was a yeah. I mean, you, there's, there's many ways to lose to Man City, and sometimes you can you can sometimes take a little bit too much from those. Yeah, brave defeats and things like that, but I actually thought it was um, a really good example of what I presumed Mikhail Teta wanted from this Arsenal side, and a lot of things, uh, you know, clicking the in, in in the right places at the right time. Unfortunately, just not sort of the ruthlessness in front of goal on that day. But as you mentioned, it was a very narrow narrow loss in the in the end, anyway. And I suppose there's a couple of things that we have to talk about without any doubt, and I think one of them is is the departure of the. Of the former captain Aubameyang, and I, I must admit, I, I'm, I'm sure plenty of Arsenal fans feel this way as well, because uh, there's so many players, more questions left unanswered by the time he left than there were answered. It seemed to me anyway. But um, the the fact that that happened so suddenly, um, and the way in which it happened in the end, I suppose just j- just your take on what happened, if we do know in the slightest, and then also. Um, the speed with which it happened in the end to him leaving the club, the manager sort of accepting that decision and parting ways. I just wanted to gauge your thoughts on how you, re- you know, how you think about him, how you feel about him as a player, how, how the fan base feel about him as a player. Cause what, what I've heard is that the majority of fans are you know, still very positive towards the guy. Yeah. Look, as a player, tremendous. I mean, right. Arsenal have been so lucky over the years to, to witness you know, great center forwards um, scoring, you know, amazing goals, you know, from the likes of Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp, Ian Wright, etc. So having a goal scorer, having a talisman like that is is what we've, you know, what we what we love. And Aubameyang was no different. You know, he carried the football club through a very difficult time, led us to an FA Cup with two sterling performances at Wembley along the way against Man City and Chelsea, respectively. He can't, you know, you can't you can't forget that. And, and his goal per game ratio, goal per minutes, goal per game ratio was phenomenal. Uh, you know, he's he's absolutely up there in terms of. Um, striking talent and, and, and what he delivered at the club. But um, it's really interesting to hear you say, Harry, that it felt like it was a rush. I mean, for Arsenal fans, it felt like it was just a, the most longest saga. You know, it just felt like it would never end because he broke club rules on a few occasions. I mean, the, the, the two biggest examples I can give are when he turned up late for the North London derby and didn't make yeah, that team. Yeah. You know, you're a club captain. You can't, you know, turn up late, especially when you're commanding exceptionally high wages. You're the best paid player at the club. You're the biggest star of the club. You're mm. club captain. It's a team of youngsters as well, isn't it? As well, you know, you're, you're setting yeah, an example. 
Absolutely. The, the example that you set, the influence that you have and, and, and the world is seeing it and you know, to, to, to not turn up for the biggest game like that is, is incredible. And then, you know, he had some, un, you know, uh, some unofficial sort of leave from the club. He went out and got a tattoo and then claimed his mother was sick and you know, hopefully his mother wasn't sick. But, you know, Arsenal Football Club are very compassionate, Harry. You know, we, we let players do what they need to do in, in terms of their private lives. But you know, don't knock it. You know, we're paying you hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. You are the main, the main guy, the, the star guy. You've got the armband. You've got to lead by example. And he just didn't do that. And in the end, um, you know, I think we've almost paid his uh, the remaining element of his contract off. He's joined Barcelona, and we're look as, as fans. You've nailed it, Harry. We're happy to see him flourish elsewhere. Uh, La Liga is a very different league to the Premier League, and, and people forget. You know, he was horribly out of form. You know, for the last sort of six to ten months of his. Arsenal career, very isolated, being used out wide. The system just didn't quite suit him. He wasn't scoring goals, albeit he did have a hat-trick in the league up against West Brom this season. But he just, you know, for, for someone who was commanding so much money and taking up a vital role in the team, it just wasn't right for the system. And you can see that Lacazette's come in. He's a different profile. He's a, he drops deep. He allows the wide forwards to, to run in behind. That's what we needed. And Aubameyang just wasn't that. So I think in the end, it's worked out nicely for both him it's worked out nicely for us. And, you know, the, the acid test was, well, well, how do Arsenal react now that Aubameyang, the main man, the £350,000 a week club captain, you know, who led them to a cup, now that he's gone, how are Arsenal going to cope? And since his departure, I mean, you can, you know, we've played that with a straight bat. You know, we've in 10 games, we've won nine, lost one. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal form. No, of course. And, you know, you, you mentioned Lacazette there, and when you were speaking about him earlier on as well, I had a little bit of a, a smirk on my face because so often you do watch hustle and you think, oh, you're the old man there doing all the hard, <laughs> doing a lot of hard work, he and is. grueling work for these youngsters, and then it almost looks like proud as they sort of, you know, like Smith Rowe breaks but yeah. breaks the lines and scores the goal, and Lacazette slowly yeah, it jogging funny, on. <laughs> it's it's funny you say that, Harry, because Emil Smith Rowe gave an interview recently where he said Lacazette was that father figure in the dressing room, and yeah. um, you know, you forget these kids are like 19, 20, 21. You know, you're talking about Lacazette who's who's been around for a long time into his thirties. You know, he's now one of the highest paid members of the, of the team where uh, he's club captain until the summer. Of course, his contract situation is that it expires in the summer. So that'll be interesting to watch. But as far as Lacazette's concerned, you know, Arsenal fans have always been quite critical of him for not being that prolific goal scorer, but you can't knock his effort. You know, he's leading by example. He is giving everything on the pitch. And like you say, he's that sort of influential father figure for the youngsters. And so since uh, since Aubameyang has has departed, have there been any big noticeable shifts in the way in which the the club has been playing or the the side has been playing? You mentioned Lacazette coming in and sort of the way in which he's yeah. he's dovetailed with those youngsters around him. But has there been any noticeable shift, even tactically, around sort of how how Arteta set set the side up? Yeah, massive. I mean, so we used to we, we used to deploy a four two three one with Jacker and Party as a as a central sort of pivot with three wide men, um, sorry, three forwards behind the main man of Amiang up front. But now we've we've shifted to a more 4-3-3. Four, four, three, three. is the sort of uh, bottom base of that three. Jacques is playing a more advanced role as a left-sided eight, and Erdegaard is playing as a right-sided eight. And with Martin, with um, Bamiang not in the team, it's given Lacazette that role up front to kind of drop deep and be that glue. But it's also allowed the birth of, of Gabby Martinelli, who's obviously a very exciting young resilient guy that we've got. And He's been playing out wide, left wide forward, and he's been uh, absolutely refreshing. I mean, the guy's energy levels, his work rate is is phenomenal. Um, he's the sort of player that gets uh, fans up off their seat in excitement, whether he's chasing the ball down or whether he's got the ball at his feet. 
And yeah, I think it's just been a breath of fresh air. So the change from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3, Erdegaard is now playing with someone in Lacazette who can help hold the ball and allow the wide runners, you know, give them that space by dropping deep, which Erdegaard obviously loves. He can find that, that final ball. So the system is much better. It's a much more functional system. We're getting more out of our, of our creative players. You can see that, you know, Bukayo Saka getting on the score sheet, Emil Smith-Rowe scoring goals, Martinelli's in, the, in, you know, in amongst the goals as well. And of course, Erdegaard pulling the strings. It, it's just worked out for both us, but also Aubameyang, because I think he's scored six and eight now since he joined Barcelona. Yeah, no, he's had a, he's, he's enjoyed an electric start as well. And just on Erdegaard, I mean, naturally a player that was incredibly highly rated as a youngster, still a youngster, but as a, yeah. as, as a sort of a kid coming through the academies, obviously at Real Madrid, um, in, in, incredibly highly rated. Um, seems to be so much sort of coverage around the guy as well. Um, when he was signed, and obviously Smith Rowe was rising as well, I, I, I do remember sort of from the outside in just questioning, well, you know, can, can you play both of them? And I, I thought it'd be an interesting sort of uh, thing that they'd probably figure out. So they were young enough to sort of think, think about how they could dovetail. But is it a question of one or the other, or have, have they now proven enough times that they can sort of play together? Uh, and the system still functions. Oh, you can absolutely play them together. Uh, I mean, Harry, you know, being a Liverpool fan and, and watching Premier League sort of titles, Premier League winning uh, teams over the years, you can never have too many good players. And so, Erdogan, you know, he's, he's got an interesting background because he obviously was a, a you know prodigal sort of talent. Went to Real Madrid, didn't quite work out. Spent a couple of years on loan, blah blah blah. We then loaned him at Arsenal, and, and I, if I'm being brutally honest, he wasn't outstanding during that loan period. I mean, there were a couple of games where he really was tremendous. I mean, West Ham away springs to mind. He was the absolute conductor that day, but he wasn't doing it on a consistent basis. And so when we were linked with him in the summer, and of course we were being linked with James Madison as well, I was, I, I thought, well, look, if we're going to get one of the two, why don't we loan Erdegaard again? Because Real Madrid might be happy to let him go. But then when we signed him for 30 million, I was like, okay, well, that's, that's not bad. But my God, he has been outstanding. And I think this, this tweaking system the confidence that Arteta wanted him again, the, the confidence of, of having a long-term contract of being settled now in London and having that six-month acclimatisation period that he had when he was on, on loan first time round, we're now seeing you know, the, him come to fruition. Like his, his play, his influence, the way he dictates tempo, he leads by example. He is mesmerising to watch, you know, absolutely joyous to watch. At the Emirates yesterday, I went to the game and of course... There's moments in a game where, where, where a player can leave the crowd, you know, gasping in awe. And there was a moment when we were building down our left-hand side, the ball's come straight into Erdegaard. Without even looking, he swept it out to the right, to the touchline, to Saka, when everyone thought he'd shoot or, or just pass it forward. And the whole, it was, like, it was like the music in a restaurant just stopping briefly for a second. Like We all just stopped to catch our breath and thought, you know, geez, this guy's vision is just something else. So... He's, he's tremendously exciting, Harry. This is a guy who's going to hopefully reach the very height of his ability at this club. And the Premier League's lucky for it because he is just, you know, uh, so talented. He glides across the pitch. He's got the deftest touch. He's got super football intelligence. And like you said, he's, you know, he's young, 21, 22. I mean, we've got the best years ahead of him. He's on a four-year contract with an option for a fifth. I mean, ah, it's just... You know, I've been lucky. I've watched, uh, I'm, I'm, I look at your picture, I'm, I'm, I think I'm much older than you, but I, <laughs> I've been lucky lucky enough to watch so many tremendous players over the years. Robert Perez, 
uh, Cesc Fabregas, uh, Cazorla, you know, Cazorla, these sorts yeah. of, Ozil, you know, th- these sort of, you know, football artists. And this guy is, is very worthy of being in that collection. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's some huge words there. It, 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 it does look like he's enjoying his very best um, spell at the club recently as well. And I think it's a, mm. it's, it's another great advert, I think, for just the impact that, yeah, as you mentioned, being settled, happy, uh, and, and feeling like you're, you know, you, so the manager believes in you, the, the impact that that can have on a on a young player for certain. And just on sort of the other side of sort of the midfield duties, I guess, you, you're looking at many years, uh, you know, Arsenal fans talking about, you know, we need a defensive midfielder, a particular type of midfielder, someone who can help us control, you know, dictate the pace of a game, uh, do the dirty work, things like that. And, yeah, I think some people were looking at Thomas Partey when he signed from Atletico and going, "Well, yeah, that's you know, he, he should he should fulfil quite a few of those those items there." And uh, then I think mm-hmm. it's, it's fair to say, so maybe had an underwhelming st- start to his Arsenal career, uh, and then of late seems to, as you mentioned, this tweaking system been also another player that's been flourishing. And I, I just wanted to ask you because I remember seeing as well that you. You were talking about it, maybe even today, just the fact that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're delighted to see the way in which he's turned it around. Yeah, massive. I mean, look, when a player comes into your club and signs for fifty million pounds, there is a level of expectation, right? You know, you, you expect them to come in, hit the ground running, especially the reputation that he had in La Liga and the performances that he was putting in for Atletico Madrid. You know, we were excited. When he's, you know, he, he's obviously joined Arsenal. It took a bit of time settling into England. It could be, you know, climate, family, moving house, all that sort of jazz. You know, we forget these guys are human beings at the end of the day. It's not easy to leave city, let alone country. Um, he's taken his time to, to, to sort, of, sort of settle in. He had a few injury problems. There was a moment when we sort of rushed him back to, to fitness and, and that had a, a negative impact. And then, of course, like you say, Harry, the tweaking system that Arteta's made now to make him the main man at the base of that midfield three is working wonders. I mean, he is showing that he can be dominant. He is showing that he can be you know, dynamic, that sort of midfield powerhouse, but he's got a beautiful finesse and technique to his game as well. He's a good passer. He's intelligent. He's obviously strong, box to box, you know, really sort of influences the game. But he's, you know, he's, he's now beginning to find himself in, you know, goal scoring opportunities. And, you know, yesterday he could have had a couple. He had the bar with a beautiful, delicate shot from outside the box. And of course he scored the header from the corner. So, we're just beginning to see the good stuff from Thomas Partey. And if you remember, there, were, there was a TV interview on Sky he gave a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, where he said himself that he was you know, dropping four out of tens uh, on a weekly basis. And of course, you know, that's great that a player who's got such um, you know, accurate, fair evaluation of himself. But, but I suppose the question there is, well, what are you going to do about it, Thomas? And he basically, since that moment, has been dropping seven, eight, nines out of tens. So I love what I'm seeing. I'm absolutely prepared to, to, you know, to choke on this slice of humble pie. Um, but, you know, he needs to now maintain that, sustain this for the next few weeks and really take us to that top four. And if we can qualify for the Champions League, then it's about building, you know, better quality around him. Absolutely. And yeah, I can hear some noises in the background. So I'm not, I'm not going to keep you for too much longer. Don't worry about it. But just, just... <laughs> my children, I apologise. Let me put myself on mute. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and just... Uh, just one final question in terms of, um, um, I suppose, looking forward to the, the game itself then. I mean, um, like Liverpool and Arsenal play, played each other quite a, quite a lot this season, obviously, with that, that cup tie in there as well. And sort of two very interesting sort of legs of that tie um, as well. And um, I would love your opinion on sort of how those games went. But then also, uh, in terms of obviously Arsenal in, in great form of late, as you mentioned, sort of the, the informed side in Europe and you, you're playing 
as free-flowing a style of football as we've seen under Arteta. Um, how are you feeling coming into this game and, and, and how do you think that uh, Arteta is going to approach it, especially considering you know how those performances uh, and, and those contests went earlier earlier in the season, both in the Cup and, uh, and in the league? Well, I think on, on the League Cup, obviously, it was a good result for us at Anfield. And then, of course, there was the whole sort of uh, you know, false fake positive results or whatever that came through and it delayed. And then of course you had your first team back for the, for the second leg and, and you won it and rightly so and fair play to you. Um, what I would say in terms of the league game is that look, Liverpool are a top team, right? You've got a top manager, you've got a top team, you've been building, you are where we, where we want to be, and where we're trying to go, but we're just five, six years behind you. Um, I think going into this game, we know that you're the better team. We know that you're, you know, going for the league title. So that's it. It's a, it's a different mentality you guys have got. But the form that we're in and the need for us to pick up points, you know, we're at home at the Emirates uh, under the lights. It's a late kickoff on the Wednesday. Um, I think the boys, you know, there'll be a certain confidence uh, around the camp. I think Arsenal fans will be, you know, sort of cautiously optimistic that we can certainly, you know, maybe take a point off you, if not all three. Um, and our home team is is pretty impressive, Harry. You know, Mikel Arteta is, is as much as we've struggled for results at home. We're we're, we're pretty good, pretty strong. So it, I think it would be you know naive of Liverpool to maybe underestimate us. I don't think they will. I think Klopp knows that we're a very good team, very progressive team, an attacking side, uh, lots of energy, lots of pace. But of course, you know, you guys, like I've just said, you are the team that we kind of want to be in terms of playing style, in terms of personnel and profile. That's where we we're, we're getting to. So. I go into Wednesday uh, not expecting to win, but I go into Wednesday thinking we can win. And, you know, if you were to offer me a draw now, I'd probably take it. So that's pretty much how I'm feeling. And in terms of the battle, uh, again, look, I mean, you've got a great squad, uh, experienced goalkeeper, really, really experienced back three, back four, depending on, you know, what sort of system you play. Two brilliant fullbacks. Your midfield is fantastic. You've probably got some aging, aging midfielders that you might want to start thinking about rebuilding in the summer. But your forwards are where you've got it. I mean, Jota, Salah, Mane, they give any team a handful on their day. And of course, your new guy who's been terrifying. Um, so, you know, you've got a real, you've got a really good first 11. And, you know, you are capable of damaging uh, any team. So we just have to be careful about that. But, you know, this is probably the best time for us to come up against such a good team. No, it really does seem like it's going to be an incredibly um, interesting contest. And yeah, as, as you mentioned, Plops, yeah, always been very complimentary of sort of the work that's going on at Arsenal, in particular a couple of key players. I remember he singled out Martinelli last time and says it's just the performance that he, he'd he put in in that League Cup um, second leg, even I think it was, that uh, he was single out. So no, it's, it's interesting to hear you there sort of talking about where Liverpool currently are and you know, Arsenal looking at in some ways as the blueprint. So it's, yeah, it's... Diaz as well. That's been yeah. That's that's been very uh, interesting. It's n- not often that you see players come straight into into this uh, this this Klopp side and announce themselves so emphatically. But yeah, he's he's certainly done that. So that's that's been very encouraging as well. And just I, su- I suppose then just the final uh, sort of question before before we do wrap up. In terms of expectations for the season, as you mentioned, the league table looking good at the moment. Um, Arsenal taking advantage of their games in hand so far. Uh, what are your sort of expectations for the remainder of the season? Do you think that the the club, given all sort of the overwhelming positives you talked about on today's show, uh, have got it in them to to really cement that place, that fourth place finish, or even higher? Sorry, maybe I'm not being uh, optimistic <laughs> enough. 
No, no, I mean, look, Chelsea are yeah, definitely catchable. I mean, with all the stuff that's going on there. Very much so. Uh, the sanctions are changing day by day. And, you know, at some point you'd think that this is all going to sort of catch up with the players and their preparation and stuff. So you never know. I mean, look, we've got to look upwards rather than, uh, sorry, we've got to look forward rather than backwards, if, if you know what I mean. Um, in terms of where we are, Harry, look, it's a great question. Because I think at the start of the season, if I'd have said to you, Arsenal going to get Champions League, you, you probably would have laughed at me. But you have to reassess your objectives as, as the, the games come and go. And it's, 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 a moving, it's a moving sort of dynamic, right? So 26, 27 games in, we're fourth. We're, you know, a couple of games in hand on Chelsea. And we could go two points behind them if we win both of those. We're comfortably ahead of Manchester United to play three or four games more than us. Uh, likewise, Spurs a couple of games more and they're, they're further below. It's in our hands. And if you look at our fixture, yes, we've got to go to Chelsea. Yes, we've got to play Liverpool at home. Um, you know, we've got to go Spurs as well. But that we're assuming that United are going to win their remaining, you know, eight, nine games and that Spurs are going to win their remaining sort of nine, ten games. And we know that's not the case. So it's the oldest cliche in, in the game. Take it one game as it comes. Focus on that next game. Give all you can. Get the best result you can and move on to the next one. But in terms of my expectations, Harry, I would expect us now to finish in the top four uh, by hook or by crook. I think, you know, you look at Manchester United, they are a shambles from top to bottom, but they've got individual match winners as we saw at the weekend with Ronaldo and his super hat-trick. Um, West Ham, yes, they're getting results. Yes, David Moyes is a, is, a, is a good manager, but they haven't got the proven track record of, of such a, of sustaining such a challenge. And I think they might fall away maybe towards the end. At Spurs, uh, they've got a tremendous manager, really, really good coach. They've got two top, top players in in, in Hong Min Son and, and Harry Kane. But Spurs are Spurs, you know, it's in their DNA to, to win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And actually, if you look back at the last 15 results, it's been pretty much that, that sort of pattern. So it's there for us to do it. We've been on a super run. I know we're going to drop points. We've got Liverpool at home, which we're quite capable of losing. We've got Villa away at the weekend, which again is a another, you know, uh, um, potential sort of slip up because Stevie G's got them playing some really good stuff and they're a bit unpredictable. But, you know, it's in our hands, Harry. And, you know, I'd rather be with, with 10, 11 games to go in the position that we're in now with players coming back from injury. You know, Smith Rose back, Tommy Asu yet to come back. Um, you know, I, I'm very optimistic and hopefully we can get through the next two. Well, like I said, Liverpool and Villa in the next few days and then sort of reassess where we are. And there is going to be more ups and downs. Make no mistake by the end of the season. There are going to be weekends when Arsenal fans are in despair. There will be weekends when Arsenal are celebrating the, the misfortunes of our rivals. And, you know, somehow there or thereabouts, I, th- I think we'll get it. And I think it'll be a fantastic season for us. Yeah, thank you so much, Fazal. Yeah, for all the insight on Arsenal and sort of the journey you've been on throughout this season. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, just thank you so much for all the insight. Oh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. And do you know what? Just sort of, listening to myself talk and answer your questions it's, it's reminded me of the journey that we, honestly it's reminded me of the journey that we've been on and you know if there are Liverpool fans listening which of course there will be you know look you guys are in you guys are in a great place and you're you're where we want to be and 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 don't rule out you know this this Arsenal renaissance because we're coming and we're gonna you know we're gonna we're coming back strong and if there are Arsenal fans listening you know just trust the process famous words but Arteta's building something here. You know, if you can't see the progress on and off the pitch right now, and if you can't see the camaraderie between these boys, and if you can't see the direction that Arteta's travelling in, um, football's not for you. So uh, thanks for having me, Harry. Really appreciate it. Um, And, you know, uh, enjoy the game. Of course. And yeah, I think it'd be be remiss of me not to sort of 
have one mention of the the lovely kits as well before the end of the pod because I think there have been some sensational Arsenal kits. I, I've, I've caught myself looking across uh, at some of my family members and uh, being a little bit envious of that uh, that Piccadilly line jumper. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's certainly a good one. But uh, just before we do go, was there anything that you wanted to, to plug on your end as well in terms of the YouTube channel, in terms of the content you're putting out? Yeah, look, I mean, look, if, if you guys are interested, I've got a YouTube channel that covers Arsenal on a weekly basis. It's called Latte Firm. So Latte is in the coffee and then firm because we used to we used to be a football firm, of course, back in the day. Um, but if you're, if you're interested in some sort of lighthearted chat about Arsenal, we go into tactical sort of breakdowns. We look at matches. And, and of course, after the Liverpool game, I'll have Charles Watts, who is a very well-known uh, football journalist, talking about the Arsenal-Liverpool match. So check it out. Yeah, uh, Latte Firm on Twitter, Latte Firm on YouTube. And my personal Twitter handle is uh, F Carnage, which is F-K-H-A-N-A-G-E. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Faisal. And uh, to all the listeners uh, who've been enjoying sort of the rivalry con throughout the season, really appreciate you you listening in. Um, as you will have sort of heard from that conversation, yes, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time for for both clubs at this, at this stage of the season. And uh, yeah, Liverpool find themselves still fighting on all fronts somehow. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a thoroughly fun journey to watch. A little bit nerve-wracking at, at this stage, but that, that's, that's the whole point, isn't it? So I hope you've been enjoying these episodes. And there'll be a little bit of a break now uh, between uh, this one and the next one because of the, uh, the FA Cup game and some of the postponed fixtures. So you know, the next time you'll hear us will be ahead of Liverpool-Watford on uh, April 2nd. But uh, until then, do check out all the other great content on Anthem Index Pro. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you'll hear from us next time in April. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.